Yeah, John Malkovich is like, uh, if there's one thing I know, it's covert ops and women. And, you know, Bruce Willis <laughs> looks at him for a second. He's like, that's two things, genius. And then, <laughs> then you know, Han Chobai just slowly looks over at him, his eyes wide, and he goes, no grasshopper. They are not. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 53 of the Movie Bite podcast, where we discuss, praise, lament, or lampoon movies, TV shows, and more. Today is Wednesday, July 24th, 2013. I'm your host, TJ, and here with me, straight from the other side, keeping deados off the street, is Chad Hopkins. How are you, Chad? I'm doing all right, TJ. How are you? Doing well. How's the fight against the evil dead people, the deados going? How, how's that for you? Uh, I, I'm doing a better job than the guys in the movie did. Oh, well, we're going we're gonna to have to talk about that. We're going to have to talk <laughs> about that. I don't know if I completely agree with that or not. <laughs> okay. But uh, we'll certainly talk about it. You, you wrote a review, actually, about this on, on Movie Bite. I did. You actually, I, I gave you access to the CMS uh, begrudgingly. You, you twisted my arm. You reached right through the internet and <laughs> twisted my arm. And now you've got access and you can post stuff straight into the CMS and then I get to approve it. So, I do. Yeah. I have the power. You have the power. That's right. So you, you are going to be posting a few things now on MovieBite, hopefully, and to help me out a little bit. Uh, so I, I just took a, a new job. I'm thrilled and excited about it, a web development job. So couldn't be happier about that, but it does mean that my time is even more stretched than it was before. So, uh, you know, got to, got to try to get a little help on movie bite. For sure. I'll be glad to help out with that a little bit. Cool. Awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, what more things that you're going to be, uh, uh, submitting and posting and talking about on, on the site. So that should be good. That should be fun. Uh, all right. I think uh, that's all I have for the kind of the pre-show pre stuff. Uh, shall we dive into trailers? In a world. In a world. 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 In a world. All right. This week, the trailers and clips are uh, Frozen Ground, the Fifth Estate trailer, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 clip featuring Electro, uh, Welcome to Battle School, an Ender's Game clip, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. featurette, The Hunger Games Catching Fire theatrical trailer, uh, Mandela Long Walk to Freedom trailer uh, featuring uh, Idris Elba. I have no idea if I'm saying that right. It's been a week since I said it. Uh, Riddick Red Band trailer, Veronica Mars uh, featurette slash trailer, and Elysium uh, featurette uh, detailing the world building and Blomkamp's vision. So let's go ahead and dive in here. And the first one up is uh, Frozen Ground. This does feature uh, Vanessa Hudgens and uh, looks like it could be kind of interesting. I'm not a big fan of, of Vanessa Hudgens, but, uh, you know, there's there's definitely something to this uh, trailer, I think, possibly to this film. It's based on a true story, is my understanding, of a uh, serial killer. And uh, so let's see what we got here. Why don't you just start at the beginning? Okay. He brought me to his place. He wrapped a chain around my neck. You ready for some more fun? Oh, God, will you just let me He's going to kill me. So obviously this is going to be kind of a somewhat intense, kind of a thriller kind of a thing. Uh, did you get a uh -huh. chance to watch a trailer? I did. Uh, it definitely looks like it's going to carry a lot of weight to it. Uh, I was surprised that 
Nicolas Cage was in it. He yes. He doesn't look half bad here. I, Mr. I don't think Mr. Mar- Marbles in his mouth can hardly you know he just kind of talks like this you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. He's in here. Uh, it, it's definitely. A, it feels like it's going to be a very heavy film, especially for something that Vanessa Hudgens is in. You kind of wouldn't maybe expect that. Uh, right. At least not from what I know of her. I can't say that I've actually seen her in a film, but I've you know seen her around, and it just uh, she's never seemed like that you know something that I'd be interested in in terms of her acting abilities and stuff. But this yeah, film, oh god, sorry, she's got this weird transition going on. She she flips seems to be flipping back and forth a lot between more family type movies like uh, Journey to the Mysterious Island. She was in that. And uh, she was actually recently in a film called Spring Breakers with uh, right. James Franco. Right. That, Terrible. That's wild kind of ride. I never saw it, but it's it, it, definitely more like it's almost a sort of in between the family movies and what this movie looks to be. Yeah, well, it looked terrible. I, I would say that it was. Uh, I, I didn't see anything redeeming about that film, from what <laughs> I could tell from from over here. I, I had no desire to go see it, and therefore I didn't. Uh, but, Same here. Uh, you know this this film looks like it'll have a little little weight behind it, and I'm I'm interested to see what's going on here. So uh, I'll definitely you'll definitely want to check that out. That'll be in the show notes at moviebite.com/mbpodcast/fifty-three is where the show notes for this episode will be located. Uh, all right, let's move on to the Fifth Estate. Uh, this trailer features uh, Benedict Cumberbatch playing Julian Assange. Um, it seems like there was a little something that came out about this recently, and we talked about it, but I can't You've got about four Humvees. You're clear. Light them all up. All right, fire it. Keep shooting. A video was leaked today depicting what appears to be a U.S. military helicopter firing on unarmed reporters. Twelve million people have seen that video. You still want to tell me you think it's just a little website? They have an agenda? Truth, justice, the American way. Man is least himself when he talks in his own person. But if you give him a mask, he will tell you the truth. All right, so um, there, there's a Benedict Cumberbatch uh, playing Julian Assange. Uh, obviously, um, he's uh, he, he was behind uh, WikiLeaks. I, I, I can't say that I know a lot about uh, the whole WikiLeaks thing other than in general I'm against government secrecy, and so I, I'm, I'm thinking that I would have applauded what he was doing, but I don't know. And, and it's kind of interesting. Is he a hero? Is he a tra- traitor? And how, how is he going to be portrayed here? And, of course, you got Benedict Cumberbatch playing him, so obviously we're in, right? Right. Oh, man, this looks so good. I, I, I read the synopsis you have in the article uh, first, and that last sentence that uh, I'm trying to remember the gist of it. Um, something uh, along the lines of here, I'm loading it. Uh, keeping this costs of keeping secrets in a free society. And what are the costs of exposing them? I just yeah, thought yeah. that was a, a really sort of compelling notion. And uh, I, I liked the trailer a lot. Cumberbatch, his, his monologue is very good. And the likeness between him and Assange is actually uncanny. It is, isn't it? Yeah. From, from the pictures we've seen of Assange for sure. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm pretty excited for this film. I like everything I've seen Cumberbatch in, and uh, this looks like it won't be an exception. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it's definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, because you're right that 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 statement that you just read about it, you know what is the cost of keeping secrets and what is the cost of exposing them? Because I, I said in general I'm against governments keeping these sorts of secrets. You know that WikiLeaks was about exposing. But at the same time, I recognize that to some extent, there probably are a few things that have to be kept secret, 
So right. what, what's the balance and how do you achieve that? And these are hard questions that are being asked. And, and should, you know, I even question, should Julian Assange be vilified the way he is? Should he be a, a criminal, you know, or whatever? You know, and there was the more recent incident as well uh, with Snowden. I mean, and I know exactly, I know where I stand on that one. <laughs> but right. uh, but uh, this one's probably a little more tricky. So um, anyway, th- this will be interesting, Dis- I, and I don't think – this is one of those things I don't think it matters which side of the political aisle you're on. I think it will be interesting for both sides. So, I think so too. So all right. Well, let's move on to something much more light uh, in, and not politically oriented, and that would be uh, Electro. Let's see what Electro has for us here. So that's the clip, the the short little clip uh, teasing Electro in the upcoming uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2, which I am not at all looking forward to, but I think everyone knows my opinion. I don't know if we know yeah. your opinion, Chad. I like I liked the uh, first film uh, quite a bit. I mean, it's definitely not my favorite of the uh, <laughs> among the first three as well. I, I definitely think Spider Spider Man Two was a lot better, but I still liked Amazing Spider Man for what it was, and I'm excited for the sequel. Well, let me say that I liked the first film, but the real first film, not this fake uh-huh. Amazing Spider Man thing. <laughs> I'm talking about the one with Tobey Maguire. Um, no, the, the first Tobey Maguire film wasn't actually as good as the second one, for sure. Um, right. Uh, but I liked all three of the first Spider-Man films. Uh, and, and Ben in the chat room says, preach it, TJ. Uh, yes, I, I will. I will preach it, Ben. Thank you. Um, <laughs> I liked all three of the first Spider-Man films uh, far better than The Amazing Spider-Man. The Amazing Spider-Man really feels like – and there was some shifting going on in the in the uh, rights holding in, in the the – uh, the studios and stuff, and so it feels like they just wanted to start it over and and you know get the cash and have a franchise and 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 just it just felt way too soon to be rebooting a franchise. Like that's that's my biggest beef with it. Aside from the fact that uh, the Amazing Spider-Man didn't feel like a great film to me at all. I mean, just just kind of wildly erratic. It felt like to me, um, and so. Here comes the Amazing Spider-Man Two, and I'm one of the only people that felt that way about the first one. Obviously, and people seem to love it. Um, so, obviously, that's why we're talking about it. Uh, I can't stand it. I don't. Not interested, and I'm probably going to have to see it because hey, I have this site called in this podcast called Movie Bite. So mm-hmm. there you go. You, you all are forcing yeah. me to do it. <laughs> but you're you're looking forward to it. You think? I am. I mean, I understand the the whole point that it was too soon to reboot, completely reboot the franchise, and I sort of feel similarly about the Batman, uh, but I guess that'll come up later. Um, I think that, uh, although I do think that Spider-Man 3, I, I, I wasn't a fan of Spider-Man 3, and uh, I, I feel like a sequel was, uh, I, don't, I don't know if I want to say completely preferred to uh, or a reboot was completely preferred to a sequel, but I, I do sort of understand the reasoning of rebooting versus having a sequel to a film nobody really liked. Yeah, I'm looking up. I uh, see. I did like Spider-Man Three. I felt like it was a little bloated. I felt like we could have slimmed it down a little. But in general, I liked it. Interestingly, it is certified fresh on the tomato meter at 63% from the critics. The audience didn't like it. 
Um, I wonder how much it made. Uh, I, 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 you know, I think there could have been a sequel to that if they wanted to keep the franchise going. Although I would have been happy, frankly, to let the the Spider Man rest a little bit. You know, maybe. Yeah. You know, I I think I would have been happy with that. Yeah, um, but you you raise a good point that with all the rights shuffling around, the sooner they came out with a sequel or a new Spider Man film of some kind, the the longer they could hold on to those rights. And I think that's what the, that was the decision that was ultimately made. Yeah, it was a business decision. Um, Spider-Man sure. Three, interestingly, made eight hundred ninety thousand worldwide. It had a budget of two hundred fifty-eight million. So I'd say that was a success. So right, um, not you know, uh, what did the Amazing Spider-Man do? Let's see, the Amazing Spider-Man made seven hundred forty uh, seven hundred fifty-two worldwide, uh, a little less domestically. So um, yeah, so it was a success too. Not as much of one though, interestingly even though everybody right. seems to be more excited about it. Uh, I don't know what that's about. All right, well, let's move on to uh, – let, let's go to Battle School with uh, Ender's Game and Harrison Ford here. Let's see what that's about. Welcome to Battle School. A great responsibility rests upon each of you. When the enemy first invaded, we were not ready. Millions of innocent lives were lost. That must never be allowed to happen again. We threw so that's Harrison Ford in uh, Ender's Game. It's a clip. Um, uh, Welcome to Battle School is the name of the clip. And uh, I, I got a little clever in my writing. I said, uh, it appears that Battle School ain't like dust and crops, boy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> have have you read this, this book, TJ? I haven't. I have not. Should I? It's, I, I don't know. I actually just purchased it myself, and I'll be reading it sometime before the film comes out. But I'm I'm really excited for it. Harrison Ford looks great, and the whole concept seems really interesting to me. And so I'm looking forward to the film. Yeah, I'm definitely interested. Definitely interested. And uh, um, yeah, I mean, I've liked everything I've seen so far coming out of that, uh, out about this uh, franchise. Although Ben Kingsley looks a little weird. <laughs> yeah, he, he does look a little bit weird. Uh, we have it on good authority in the chat room that the book is great. So um, there you go. Uh, I, you know, I definitely want to try to check it out. Uh, did, does anybody know? Uh, chat room, let me know. Uh, is is this book available in audiobook form? Because that's typically how I consume books these days with my busyness and my busy schedule. I am rarely sitting down where I can read. Sometimes I'm commuting and I can listen though. Uh, although podcasts have kind of taken over audiobooks for me. Anyway, um, yeah, it, this definitely looks interesting. I recommend you check this out uh, and, and get, get acquainted with Ender's Game, and I'm, I'm ready to see what this film's going to be like. Uh, do I have a date on here? I did not put the date in the, um, uh, in the post. Ender's Game release date. So let's just look it up live on the show while everybody's waiting on me. November 1st, 2013 is when we're releasing. So we'll get to see you in November. Um, Great. All right. Let's go to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This is a, a little featurette um, featuring Joss Whedon talking a little bit about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He doesn't give us much, but it's always fun to see the creator of a show talking about it. So, um, For years, the truth was hidden. Heroes. It kind of starts out as a teaser. Monsters. You think it's a trailer. They're among us. From Marvel Television and ABC Studios, this is Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Let's see if I can find Joss Whedon here. Here he is. Here he is. About Shield. Shield is a show about the world of superheroes as seen through the eyes of everyday people. So uh, definitely check that out. I'm very excited. I I cannot remember the last time I've been as excited for a TV show, and I hope I hope it's not getting overhyped in my head and that I'm going to be disappointed. But it's really looking good. I'm I'm definitely going to be interested to see this. Um, yes. Um, 
it reminds me a lot of a graphic novel that was written in the 1990s called Marvels. Um, the con- the whole story is told from the point of view of a photographer who works for a local newspaper. And he lives in New York City, I believe, and he watches over the years. We see him grow and we see superheroes evolve around him. So you have the age where Superman comes out and then here come the X-Men and the the rebellion the people have against them. And so hearing Joss Whedon describe this show as the superhero world from the non-superhero perspective sounds really interesting to me. And that graphic novel is great if uh, you want to check it out. Yeah, and that seems like something Joss Whedon would excel at, though granted he's not going to be as directly involved with the show as some of his previous shows, but he's directing the first episode and really, you can't go wrong with Joss Whedon. I mean, I admit I'm a bit of a fanboy, but, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I like ev- pretty much everything he's done or had his hands on or been involved in. Did you know that he uh, was one of the writers on Toy Story? Were you aware of that? I did. I was actually about to mention that myself. So. Yeah. yeah. Good so, for you stealing my thunder. Yeah. yeah I, I, like, <laughs> I like stealing people's thunder. It makes me happy. Uh, and so stealing your thunder, are just it just puts a big old smile on my face. Well, so, it is your podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, okay sure. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, welcome to level seven. Let's uh, let's move on to the Hunger Games: Catching Fire. I'm telling you, there's a lot of good films I'm excited for coming up. I, I hope I'm not disappointed in some of these. Um, the Hunger Games uh, was a film that I enjoyed a lot, and Catching Fire is the next one. And uh, let's see what we've got here. You understand that whatever I do, it comes back to you and Mom. I don't want you to get hurt. Since the last games, something's different. I can see it. What can you see? Hope. So that was from the trailer for The Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire, the first theatrical trailer. And uh, boy, am I looking forward to this. And, and I'll tell you, the first film I liked a lot. I liked the book series for the most part. Um, spoiler alert, I didn't really care exactly for how it ended in the last couple of chapters. But it wasn't terrible. It wasn't like, you know, oh, I can never read these books again because of the ending type of ending. It was just kind of a little bit of a letdown. Um, but uh, I, I did I did like uh, the first film. But it was a, a bit of a toss-up for me as far as the director, Gary Ross, because he went for a very uh, cinema verite approach, and I don't care for that. I feel like that's lazy filmmaking for the most part. It's like, well, let's be trendy and shake it up and not really have good camera style. And this film looks entirely different on that front. Uh, it's a new director. Um, Francis Lawrence will be directing... Uh, will be directing the film. The, the the rest of the films is my understanding, and he appears to be at least from the trailer and from everything I've read, taking a much more cinematic approach. And I I much prefer the more cinematic approach here to the film. Uh, so and and if he does as good a job, see because Gary Ross did a very good job in many other ways in terms of the story, in terms of making us feel and care about Katniss and and uh, the sense of. Um, uh, just just where Katniss is coming from and all that stuff. If Francis Lawrence can capture that and bring better cinematic sensibilities, I'm I'm really excited for this film. Very much Me so. Too. Uh, one thing I really like about the trailers so far is that they've done a good job of not showing the quarter quell. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know if the, the trailers for the first film did this as well, but uh, we're seeing very little of the action in this film. It's all of the sort of politics and the behind the scenes stuff that we're seeing moving into the quarter quell. And that's 
really just building my anticipation because I want to see a lot of that, but I'm glad they haven't shown it just yet. Well, like this is the same approach that they took with the first film too in the trailers. If you remember right, they did very much the same thing where you saw a lot of Katniss beforehand, uh, and and then you just kind of got a glimpse of the arena, and then they were it was over. I think they maybe in later trailers started showing the arena more. Um, but yeah, that was it's a very similar approach, and it works. It's working very well for me. I, I completely agree. Um, and and. You know, I don't know how – I just wonder how well it works for people who haven't read the books. But seriously, I, I don't talk to many people who aren't at least aware of the story, right, and who aren't, right. Don't, aren't aware of the books. Have you read the books? I have. Yeah. I, I read all three in three-day period. Oh, wow. Uh, it took me several weeks in audiobook form, but uh, <laughs> I, I did enjoy it very much. Listened every chance I got, you know, when I wasn't, you know, a lot of times when I'm working, I have to be, I, I can't listen to audiobooks. I have to listen to more mindless music because I have to concentrate on my code and, and whatnot. But, but uh, you know, when I was mowing the lawn or when I was driving or just any time, I would be listening to those books. They were very engaging. Um, there, there's certain, oh, man, the whole, the books open up a whole can of worms we could talk about. There were certain aspects I didn't like, such as being told in first person. I hate that and present right. tense was even like first person is almost livable but first person present tense it was all just a little bit much I, it's not my preferred style and yet the books and the story really overcame it for me so um yeah i i long-winded way of saying i'm looking forward to the film adaptation the rest of the film adaptations of these books Right, and as Ben pointed out in the chat room, the guy who uh, wrote the screenplay is also writing the screenplay for the next Star Wars film. Uh, he wrote the screenplays for Little Miss Sunshine and Toy Story 3 as well. Mm. And uh, so he's got lots of good material under his belt. And so I'm looking forward to uh, this film and uh, his script for Star Wars as well. I'm hoping will be just as good. Yeah, I Am Legend, boy, I liked it right up until the very end. And maybe I need to go back and watch it, and I hear there's an alternate ending. But yeah, I would say for the most part, I did like uh, his work on I Am Legend, Francis Lawrence's work on that film. And uh, I just need to go back and watch it again and see if I still feel the same way. And like I said, I hear there's an alternate ending I need to check out. Yes, you should. It's closer to the book. Okay. Well, I don't know anything about the book. So, but anyway, that's that's a little bit off topic, but that's what you know, that's okay. It's a good rabbit trail. <laughs> Let's talk about Mandela, uh Long Walk to Freedom. Apparently, uh this is the film that uh Mike Fizzle mentioned on last week's episode. Um and so then I found the trailer and posted it and it features uh, Idris uh, Elba and uh uh, let's see. Let, let's go ahead and play the clip here, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. Hunted by the police. Feared by the government. Revolutionary. Outlaw. Rebel. Fighter. My name is Nelson Mandela. the first black social worker they've ever hired and you're the most beautiful girl i've ever seen he's talking to uh, naomi harris there she's uh known to me from pirates of the caribbean and skyfall um and uh so and she's uh seemed like a good actor uh, or actress or whatever the proper nomenclature is these days i think they prefer actor now um so yeah i mean she seemed good in, in those things that i've seen her in so uh and and certainly the things that I've seen Idris Elba in, which is really only Thor and Pacific Rim, uh, he's been decent. So um, I'm not quite sure what to make of what the 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 point of the plot is. Like, is it good to be a rebel, or is he, you know, a rebel with a cause, or is it, you know, is he fighting for freedom and justice? I mean, I'm not quite sure where that's all going yet. 
Uh, but uh, it is a chronicle of Nelson Mandela's life journey from his childhood in a rural village through to his inauguration as the first democratically elected president of South Africa. So, and I admit I don't know really anything about the story, so don't really know where that's going. What do you What do you got to say? What do you think? Uh, I'm not very familiar with the story of Mandela either. I do know how uh, influential and revered he is as a person, and so I'm interested to hear some of his story. And Idris Elba in the trailer looks uh, excellent. I think. Uh, after, as you said, seeing him in Thor is, I think, all I've really seen him in. Um, but it, it does look good, and I'm interested in seeing uh, where it goes. Yeah. Yeah, so fun little thing to check out there. Um, let's talk about the Riddick Red Band trailer. And uh, normally I don't post Red Band trailers, but since I've been talking a little bit about this film, I felt like it would only be appropriate to say here's here's kind of what you're in for. So here we go. Sounds intense. <laughs> Whatever happens, no matter what they tell you, when the chains come off, you go in the first five seconds. <laughs> so that's uh, that's Vin Diesel and Riddick. Uh, and I'm not going to go further because there is an F-bomb and a few other things of, of language in this trailer. But mostly it's Red Band trailer for the, the blood, guts, and gore. So that's what you're in for if you want to go see this film. And I'm not saying you shouldn't because I see these types of films all the time. But I just want you to be aware. And that's why I posted the Red Band trailer on Movie Bite. Um, I haven't seen the first film, but I'm, I'm definitely interested in, in what I've seen of this film. So I'm going to go back and watch the first film soon. Have you seen the first film? No, I haven't. And frankly, I'm not really interested. Um, this isn't exactly my kind of movie. It seems a little heavy for me. Um, I, I mean, I'm not saying I don't mind a little bit of violence, but the genre and the heaviness added on top of that just seems like a little bit too much for my tastes. Yeah. I mean, if we talk about it on the show, I'll see it. But it's not something I'm anticipating or even really remotely interested in. Okay. And, okay. No, fair enough. I... Uh... I don't know if we'll talk about it yet or not. We probably will. Um, and I don't mind seeing um, a film that has a little bit of violence uh, once in a while. I don't like to see, you know, I don't like, like, like I like, like, like maybe five to 10%, you know, of my films to, to be a little more on the violent side. Right. So, um, right. Uh, that's kind of where I'm at there. So let's move on to Veronica Mars. And again, uh, this is a franchise I know almost nothing about, but uh, here is a clip. Here's a featurette actually. You've waited for years. You said you'd even pay for it. It's finally happening. I need your help, Veronica. I don't really do that anymore. All right. So this was actually a pretty fun little featurette. Um, uh, there was a Buffy reference or two in there, which I thought was fun. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's... It, it makes me want to go back and check out the TV show because, I, you know, I was not aware of this show until the Kickstarter campaign. So, yay for Kickstarter, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, were you, um, were I don't, you, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I was just about <laughs> to ask you uh, if you were aware of the film or, 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 I mean, aware of the TV show before or what you what your thoughts were. No, I, I'd never 
I'm sure I heard of the TV show, but I never watched it. Um, but I'm really interested in seeing this, especially because it was crowdfunded. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm very interested to see the results of something like that. And I think it could be really interesting. And it's obviously a sort of revolutionary way to go about making films now. And I, I anticipating that we might see this a little bit more often. Um, and so I, I, I'm interested to see it for that aspect. And I might go back and watch the TV show too. Yeah, and and I almost feel like I need to be need to have the TV show in my repertoire, or at least be familiar with it. Maybe not having watched all of it, I don't know if I have time for that. Uh, but I know I have other things that I'm watching right now too, so it's a little frustrating because I definitely want to see the film, but I feel like I need to watch a TV show first. So um, anyway, uh, that's that's um, uh, that is Veronica Mars featurette and trailer that'll be in the show notes. One more, because we need to get moving here, and that is the Elysium uh, featurettes uh, that detail the world-building in Blomkamp's vision. Uh, let me just play a little bit of the first one here. There's several here. So we're seeing somebody in, yeah, in some sort of medical ward. The inspiration for Elysium was really a film to try to turn the metaphor of the haves and have-nots into an environment that the extrapolation of extreme wealth so i'm a little concerned about this film and this renews some concerns for me he talks about the extreme wealth thing as if that's you know you're not allowed to have extreme wealth it's at the expense of others if you do and i know that uh you know that's that's a very liberal kind of a mindset and i you know that's if you're a liberal you're probably going to appreciate it i'm, I'm not and it, it just worries me a little that we're going to get a little political here and make this film less fun that way you know i don't know yeah i don't know the the general premise seems a little bit interesting to me but i'm i am skeptical it, I, nothing in the trailers or this featurette or anything has blown me away so far i generally like matt damon but i i'm just not sure what to think about this film i i, I haven't seen district nine so i don't really have uh Blomkamp's reputation or uh past experience with the director to judge this film on just yet I haven't either. I want to see District 9 because uh, it definitely looks interesting to me, and I know that uh, friend of the sh- friend of the show, friend of the site, Corey, and contributor, Corey Poff, has, has told me that I must or I'm not – you know, he's not going to have anything to do with me anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I want to see it, and I'm, I'm definitely going to see Elysium and uh, see if it's any good. But I'm, I'm a little worried about it. And I, want, I want to like it. I like the looks of it, but – um, yeah, we're, we're definitely gonna, we're definitely gonna see how that goes. So that's it for trailers and, uh, movie clips. So lots of exciting stuff coming up, um, and some things that are not as exciting, but, uh, definitely some interesting things on the horizon. So let's move on to, uh, Peter Serretta, uh, the founder of slash film, uh, com and Jermaine Lucier. He's one of the writers over there. They have a little video blog where they liked, uh, the Wolverine, not a lot to talk about here. I just wanted to mention it because I'm looking forward to The Wolverine. We're going to be talking about that next week. And uh, so I'm glad to hear that uh, two uh, jaded critics, if you will, were happy with the film. Um, so uh, that's that's that. Do you have anything to say about that? I really just wanted to mention it quickly. And No, okay. nothing to say. <laughs> okay. Um, here's the exciting news uh, on the Avengers front. Uh, Joss Whedon has revealed the title of the Avengers two. It is called the Avengers age of Ultron. Uh, are you familiar with the Ultron storyline at all? 
I am not. Neither am I. Bummer. We can't really talk about it very well then. People are just going to – they're going to be writing in and sending us emails and, and you know telling us how bad and horrible and awful we are. But the bottom line is I'm, I'm a Marvel cinematic fan. Like I like comic books as movies. I don't like comic books as comic books. I just – I don't see the draw. Um, so, so let's break this down a little bit. Uh, apparently the, um, age of Ultron storyline, whatever that was in the comics is not going to be followed hardly at all for the Avengers. Um, because they don't have all the characters in place. They don't even have the rights to some of the characters that they need that like, they can't use the X-Men and, and I know that, uh, Wolverine is supposed to be involved with Ultron. Uh, Ultron is apparently a robot made out of adamantium. Uh, and so, but, but apparently Hank Pym, Pime, however you say that, made Ultron in the comic books, and now here, uh, you know, maybe the thinking is that maybe Iron Man actually conceives of and makes this robot, uh, and because Hank Pym is not in the picture, uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what's going on, um, and it's interesting, because I, I think we all thought that Thanos would be the bad guy, at least according to the teaser clip at the end of The Avengers. Right. So, um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I'm, I mean, I trust Joss Whedon and I'm glad that he's not necessarily following the story of a comic book. I mean, he hasn't done that so far. Uh, he didn't do that with the Avengers, I should say. And none of the Marvel films so far have really followed a storyline necessarily, except for maybe, uh, the general, uh, points of the comics, uh, origin stories. But, uh, so I'm glad to hear that they're sort of sticking to that direction. Um, Joss Whedon is a capable writer, more than capable writer. And, uh, the fact that he's sort of writing his own story to this and taking this character who may be known to some people and creating something new is really appealing. Yeah. Yeah. And apparently too, one of the other things that caught my eye and attention, and I was glad to hear, you know, Joss Whedon actually acknowledged, uh, kind of the weaknesses of, of Hawkeye and, uh, the fact that he was, you know, un an unwilling villain in the first film and he didn't get to do a lot of interesting things with Hawkeye. And so he's very keenly aware of that and we'll be doing more with him in this film. Definitely excited to hear that. Me too. And, I like uh, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's it's definitely. I'm, I'm this is probably the film that I'm most excited for coming up. Um, so, uh, doggone it! I always find typos in my articles on the show. It's, it, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I know I got I got to fix it. I got to I got to put myself a reminder here after we're done with the show. I could edit it live on the air, but that would be kind of boring. So. Uh, <laughs> We'll move on. Uh, we'll move on to uh, Superman and Batman. Uh, you want to tell us what's going on with him? Okay, so the next or the sequel to Man of Steel is going to feature both Superman and Batman, and uh, it's it, the uh, I don't know if you posted this yet, but uh, Collider dot com recently mentioned that the film according to David Goyer, the screenwriter, is either going to be called Superman versus Batman or Batman versus Superman. I did see that. I didn't post. I don't think I posted that on the site yet. Um, <laughs> I'll see if I can find it real quick. But uh, Yeah, send it over to me. We'll put it in the show notes. The My first impressions were of excitement. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I like Batman. I like Superman. Putting them together uh, seems fun. Even though I know you didn't like the first film, I did. And I, I'm, I'm excited to or I was excited 
and did, then the more did I know about this when I asked you to be on the podcast that you like Man of Steel? I, I, I'm, I don't know if I can do this, man. <laughs> uh, it's okay. I mean, I didn't. I didn't think it was perfect. It definitely had its problems, but uh, I did like it. Okay. All right. Well, you're you're entitled to that in, in, incorrect opinion. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not excited for this at all, uh, and and the reason is because I didn't like Man of Steel. But more than that, I'm not ready for a Batman reboot. It's too soon. What are we doing? Why are we doing it? This is just all about the cash. Um, it feels like the ultimate fanboy service. Like, oh, you wanted Batman and Superman together. Well, here you go. You know, we're gonna smash them together. I don't know. Right. I, I'm just not all that excited about this. I, right. I know most people are. That's my problem with it. After thinking about it and sort of dwelling on the fact that this isn't going to be a Batman we're familiar with, I just don't see how it can be spectacular or or even close to spectacular necessarily because right. we're going to be dealing with a brand new Batman. We can't shoehorn his origin story. Really, I mean, he doesn't need an origin story at this point, but they can't shoehorn that in there because it's, I don't know, it's it's just too soon. And I don't like that, but... I don't know. Nolan is endorsing it again. So I, I, I don't know what to think. Yeah. And, and here's the thing. Like, you know, I know that they said they were done with the Christian Bale Batman, the Dark Knight, you know, uh, continuity. But but why can't we say, you know what? There's more there's more to do here. Um, I mean, it's been done before. And I think that's the way to go. Like, even if it wasn't Christian Bale's Batman, if, what if it was Officer Blake who's taking up the mantle of Batman? I mean, they set that up, too. They could go lots of different ways. We could still have the same continuity, and I think there's interest in in seeing what what's going on with Officer Blake, um, and and him finding out about Batman. Of course, they revealed that his name was Robin, but that doesn't mean that they. Ha- I mean, because they haven't stuck to tradition in other ways. Why would they have to stick to, to tradition on that? And so I, I just don't understand. Like, I, you, you know, it really bothers me. This, uh, you know, rebooting everything always really bothers me. That's why I'm really bothered by the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm really bothered by this. Like, I want. I don't know what it is in me, but I want one continuity. I want one thing to track with. I don't want multiple uh, endpoints and and multiple uh, storylines. And this this Batman, his origin story is different from this Batman, whose origin story is this. And he has these demons to fight and his inner demons. And I I don't want any of that. I don't want it. I'm done with that. We've, we've told Batman's origin story. It was great. It was awesome. Let's build on that. It's a great foundation. Sorry, I'm, I agree. I'm ranting here. <clears throat> See, I, I don't think I'd love if Christian Bale would come back and they would sort of continue that Batman, uh, despite that, the way they ended Dark Knight Rises. That would be the best case scenario in my mind. Me too, because I mean, <laughs> as much as they set up set it up for jo- Joseph Gordon Levitt's character to continue the legacy, the, the story, the rivalry between Batman and Superman is very much a Bruce Wayne versus Superman kind of story. Mm. I don't, I don't think it could be told necessarily with a new Batman quote unquote, mm. because it, it's Batman prime, his issue with Superman. And if, if uh, you want a really good example of their rivalry, you should check out um, the graphic novel from the 1980s called the dark Knight returns by Frank Miller. And in that there's this huge epic uh, battle between the two characters and Batman actually defeats him. And he's, he whispers to Superman, I, I want you to remember that the one man who beat you is me. And so there is a really interesting rivalry to be explored here, but I don't think they can do that very well with a new Batman or a rebooted Batman or Joseph Gordon-Levitt Batman. It, it just, I don't know how this is going to work. I would love for Christopher Nolan to just say, you know what? We said this was going to be a trilogy. It is a trilogy. We're just continuing the story right. with 
with Christian Bale. And right. I, it doesn't. That, neg- that's the only way. Yeah, it doesn't negate the trilogy. It doesn't mean there wasn't a good trilogy. You're, you're totally right. I mean, they can still continue the story. I don't know. It just bugs me. It just bugs me. So yeah. anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. But you know, Nolan is a very stubborn man. I think, and he's got it in his head that that was all the story he was going to tell in that particular Batman universe. Therefore, that's all the story he's going to tell. End of story. Right. Uh, end of story. Ha uh-huh. ha. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's a little bit of my frustration in the DC Universe. You know, frankly, I'm not all that excited about the DC Universe right now. Oh, me neither. Mar- Marvel has much more going on right now. And and that's weird because, you know, like I grew up with Superman and was peripherally aware of Batman. He wasn't like my big superhero growing up. Superman was. And I didn't know any of these Marvel characters. I don't I, – but, but right now I'm much more excited for them. So – um, <clears throat> let's, uh, let's move on and, uh, let's mention this clip of Loki making an appearance at the San Diego Comic-Con, which I thought, I, I en- this is probably the, I've enjoyed this probably the most of anything that's come out so far this week that I've posted. Um, this is, uh, oh, sorry about that. I'll make sure that that's, uh, that doesn't happen in post. <laughs> I don't know how that was for you. That hurt my eardrums. Okay, so this is, uh. Uh, Tom Hiddleston dressed in and in character as Loki coming out on the stage. This is a uh, somebody in the crowd is taking this video, so it's not great. But uh, he comes out on stage as character, and at, po- at certain points he has such a hard time staying in character. It's it's quite hilarious. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I love Tom Hiddleston, and he's great. This, this video is so much fun. He is great. Um, and there was one time. Uh, I'm not, I, it's hard to hear. Like you need to watch it to get the full effect. So I'll, I'll let you go to the show notes, folks, and and watch it. But there was a one time when he even had to turn away from the crowd and, and get his snickering out and his laughing, and, and then turn back and <laughs> character as Loki. It was a lot of fun. I wish I was. It made me really wish I was there. It, I, you know, which I I've never had a desire to be at a comic con before. But. Right. But this this comic con was a, a comic con for the books, I think, and I, yes. I, I am sort of envious of the people that were there. But. Uh, uh, I'm glad we at least were able to follow through videos and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and and of course all the announcements coming out of there, um, you know. And I think I think maybe the reason I'm getting more interested in Comic Con is because it's becoming more about the uh, the films and the movies of the, of the and, and not just the comics and the geeks and the nerds and stuff. And I'm I'm geeky and nerdy, but not in that and not in that way, you know. So, right. um, yeah, and, and I, I think that uh, it would have been fun to be there. Uh, interestingly enough. So, um, man, there's lots of Marvel and, and comic book stuff in the news. Uh, I should say comic book stuff, not just Marvel. But this one is uh, particularly relevant to Marvel. Uh, Captain America 2 features a significant shift in the Marvel Universe. This is, of course, Marvel, what they're calling the Phase 2 of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And and uh, Captain America the Winter Soldier is going to have a significant shift in tone and in story that's going to lead up, of course, to Avengers 2. This is... Um, uh, Russ Fisher on Slash Film uh, uh, talking to um, uh, Joe and Anthony Russo, who are the directors of um, of Captain America 2. He asked, technically speaking, is this a sequel to Captain America or is this a sequel to the Avengers? The title suggests one thing, but the chronology suggests another. And Joe Russo replies, it's a little bit of a sequel to both. I mean, obviously the character has advanced. He's been frozen for several years. It has a narrative elements that tie to the first movie, and it has narrative elements that tie directly to the Avengers and also has narrative elements that tie directly to Avengers 2. I think that Kevin... Uh, Feig? I never know how to say his name. Feig, Fiji, Feige. Oh, I have no idea. I'm, uh, I'm no help there. Whatever. The the CEO of uh, – or, or the big the big wig. I don't know if CEO is the right term, but he's the big wig at Marvel. Has said this. It's a big it's, – it's a big – 
This is a typo on their article. It's a bit of a bridge of any of the Phase 2 movies from Avengers to Avengers 2. No, no, it's not a typo. I misread it. It's as big of a bridge as any of the other Phase 2 movies. There is a significant shift in the universe at the end of this movie. Like all of the Marvel movies, it has elements of all the other films. This one, I think, has probably the strongest bond between those goals. And uh, I, um, I was a little concerned about this, though. He says, the movie was shot largely with a very verite style, which is unique for Marvel's movies, no doubt. <laughs> They really embrace the approach to it, and it's a very experimental approach, and it's a very grounding approach. I hate that. Ugh. There's a strong edge to the film. It's very vis- uh, visceral. It, it's got a lot of action in it, but I think it's definitely a movement tonally in a different direction. Yeah, I've already talked about the Cinema Verite approach. I'm not a fan, and uh, I'm not not happy to hear this because Marvel's films have very, uh, you know, lately. Not not I'm not talking about the 2003 version of the Hulk <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> it was not cinematic. Mar- Marvel's films of late have been very cinematic and 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 very steady and stable, and I've enjoyed that very mu- that aspect very much. So I'm not excited to hear that they're taking the handheld approach in uh, in Captain America too. Um, but he did say uh, it's energetic, but we also like to track with the action. We really want people to understand what's going on from beat to beat. The action sequences are coherent, and that makes me feel slightly better, but only slightly. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on any of these these things? Uh, the style and the camera work doesn't concern me as much, though I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, I, I'm just excited for the film, and I'm interested to see what they do with it, since it is in the modern day. Yeah, Captain America 2, maybe it's hard to pit it against, like, like because it's like apples and oranges, uh, comparing it to a film like Iron Man. Uh, right. But Captain America, uh, the first Captain America, was such a great film for me. I really loved that film. And, you know, um, it, it kind of embodies everything that I like about a superhero film. <coughs> I've still got the last vestiges of a cold here. Uh so um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what's going on in Captain America too. Um, and, and there's definitely like an, a, an element of sadness to it too, though. Like one of my favorite characters from Captain America, she can only be in flashbacks. Like unless they find a way to bring her into the future. Uh, uh, Haley Atwell's character, um, uh, I don't remember her name right off the top of my head, but I, I love that character. Peggy Carter. Peggy Carter. Yes, thank you. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a little bit sad, but you know, there's a lot going on in the Marvel universe, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, you mentioned uh, the flashbacks. I actually think the character's supposed to still be alive. Um, there's, oh, well, I believe, a deleted scene for the Avengers where Captain America, or an alternate opening, where he's looking through files from his case, and he comes across hers. And maybe the others say something about uh, uh, dead or some other uh, word. I don't, I don't remember. But I think that her shows that she's actually still alive yeah and and it's hard to say whether that's canon or not you're right it was a deleted scene from the avengers um where it it showed that she was alive and it's hard to say whether that's canon or not since it was since a deleted scene they don't have to honor it right Right. but it it was very much the idea that she was still alive but she'd be very very old so that's that's not fun it's not helpful (laughs) no i don't know i just think there 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 is an opportunity for either way i think that if done right bringing the two face to face might be a really emotional moment. Um, so, I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I do think you're right. in thinking that it'll probably be more flashbacks than anything. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, 2015 is looking to be a year of tentpole films. Um, 
So let, let me let me just list a few of these off for you, and then we're going to go into our, our two reviews today. Um, but uh, so in 2015, we have coming up uh, the Superman Batman film, The Avengers Age of Ultron, Star Wars Episode 7, Jurassic Park 4, James Bond 24, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, Independence Day 2, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2, um, Finding Dory, The Fantastic Four, Ant-Man, uh, World of Warcraft, Terminator, Assassin's Creed, Inferno, and then a couple of lesser titles but still important are Kung Fu Panda 3, Smurfs 3, Alan and the Chipmunks 4, Cinderella live action. And it's quite a list for 2015 already, and, and, and I'm sure there's going to be more announced. I mean, this is still 2013. Yeah, I'm already it's, drooling a little bit. You're what? Already drooling a little oh, bit. Oh, drooling. Uh, yeah, it... Um, <clears throat> So just real quick, let's talk about which ones of these we're interested in. Obviously, regardless of my feelings, I'm interested, at least, in the Superman-Batman film. Uh, The Avengers Age of Ultron, I mean, I think we're both interested in that, right? Right. Uh, Star Wars Episode Seven. definitely want to, you know, I can't wait to start seeing what's going to be happening there, start seeing the trailers and stuff. Um, Hopefully, J.J. can do something good. I hope so. Yeah. Um, James Bond, eh, you know, uh, Skyfall was probably the best of, of the reboots, but, eh, you know, not, I'll see it, but whatever. <laughs> um, Pirates of the Caribbean 5, I'm so not interested in. Are you interested Me in Me neither. One? I am worn out of this franchise. Yeah, it's, it's, it's done. It, it, they should have left it alone, you know? Right. They should have left it after the third one. The fourth oh, one totally. was completely unnecessary. Fourth one was terrible. It was a terrible film. Uh, and, and so, yeah, I'm not looking forward to five. Um, the only way they could bring any peak, any interest back in me is to bring back the original characters because I don't care what anybody says. I know people think that, uh, you know, uh, Will Smith, um, uh, Legolas, what's the character, what's the guy's name? Um, um, Orlando Bloom. Orlando Bloom. I know they think he's a pretty boy and he's stupid and whatever, but you know what? Uh, and Kira Knightley, I think, receives a little bit of, uh, of, of negative attention, but you know what? It was, it was her and, 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 uh, Will Turner. And uh, and Captain Jack Sparrow that made those films what they were, and that's why the fourth one was a flop. I think is because the three, the triangle wasn't there. So yeah, you know. Anyway, Independence Day two. I didn't like the first one. Don't know why I'd like the second one. And the second one's not even going to have Will Smith, which was the only decent part about the first film. Uh, so yeah, I haven't seen the first one. So. Oh, so you have no opinion? No. It, you know, I, I I didn't like it all that well, but it's worth watching once. You know, um, right. It, it it it's 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 one of those films that you kind of need to have watched, I think. Okay. So, Hunger Games: Mockingjay Part Two. Obviously, I'm going to be excited to watch that. We have um, we basically we have a Hunger Games movie coming out every year here. Um, uh, Catching Fire. Then there's Mockingjay Part One and then Mockingjay Part Two. So I've already mentioned I'm excited about the Hunger Games trilogy. Finding Dory. I'm definitely going to see this. I will be in the theater on opening night. Me too. Um, so Finding Nemo was a great film. Great film. Yes. Fantastic Four. I guess they're going to reboot it. Whatever. Not interested. Don't care. <laughs> Ant-Man. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, Fantastic Four. The, the, I haven't seen the second one, but the first one was awful. And so I expect the second one was probably even worse. And so you, I'm, you I'm and actually I are no longer friends. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm really looking forward to the reboot because 
I don't know. I I didn't care for the first one. I didn't care to see the second one. And so hopefully they do a better job, in my opinion at least, of uh, rebooting the franchise. Okay. So you're right. The second one wasn't great. But the first one was – I, I liked the first one. But it would be hard for them to do now, I think, uh, just because uh, Chris Evans has moved on to Captain America and stuff. So Right. Anyway, so they kind of have to reboot it. But I'm, I'm just not excited about it. Ant-Man, totally don't care. Uh, but, but then again, this is one of those weird things. Like I didn't know anything about Iron Man or, or uh, um, Captain America. Uh, you know, and I, I didn't know anything about the Marvel universe before, so maybe there's something about Ant-Man that's interesting, but I, it feels more like to me now they're scraping, reaching for other unknown characters that are probably not as good. You know, they've, they've, they've got, you've got your tentpole characters, but now let's go get some other Marvel characters and bring them in and, and, you know, I don't know, not, don't care. I don't know. Have you seen the footage, uh, the test footage of Ant-Man? I haven't. Oh, it is so cool. Um, I'm posting it in the chat room right now. At okay. least I'm hoping it, it, it's right. I haven't watched it yet. Oh, but um, well, I'm thinking about it. Where's that other link that you said you were going to send that we were going to? It was from Collider oh, that we're going to put. In the uh, chat yeah, room. I'll I'll keep looking for that. Okay, sorry. So that may or um, may not be in the show notes. Um, but yeah, if you if you haven't watched the Ant Man test footage, it's it is so cool. Uh, the way it, I mean, it's just the director, the guy who's. Uh, planning on making it trying to convince people that it'll be something worth watching. And I mean, Ant-Man was a member of the original Avengers. He was an Avengers comic number one. Yeah, okay. um, and so Don't care. I, I, <laughs> you should watch the test footage and see if that changes your mind at all. Don't care. Cause it's really cool. Don't care. All right. Well, the, okay. test, footage, the <laughs> test footage is in the show notes and maybe I'll, maybe it'll blow me away. I'm just going to run down real quickly here. World of Warcraft, don't care. Terminator, don't care. Assassin's Creed, don't care. Inferno, really don't care. Don't don't want it. In fact, I, I have negative feelings toward that one. Kung Fu Panda 3, don't care. Smurfs 3, no. Alvin and the Chipmunks 4, no. Cinderella live action, meh. Anything on there that you want to uh, dispute me on? I'm excited for Kung Fu Panda 3 because I really like the first two. <sighs> okay. Well, I haven't seen it, so I can't really say for sure. It just looks stupid. <laughs> it's, okay. it's excellent. So... All right. You should check it out. All right. Well, I'll I'll try to do that. But I have so many films on my watch list, I don't know if that's going to make it. Oh, there's your Collider. Uh, Superman versus Batman. Um, all right. So I'll put that in the show notes uh, up there where we were talking about it. All right. That's in. Let's move on to our review of R.I.P.D. And I don't think this, will t- this one will take long. In fact, I don't think either of these ones will take that long. I don't think so. Uh, oops, I didn't put the title in the show outline. A little bit inside baseball for the Red 2, which we'll be talking about after RIPD. There we go. Okay. RIPD. Uh, it opened in theaters on July 19th, 2013. Had a budget of $130 million. Opening weekend was $12.6 million. Woohoo! Oh, wait. No, sorry. Not woohoo. <laughs> Total worldwide gross as of right now is $20.9 million. So, let's see. $130 Divided by 20 is 6.5. Wow. Yeah. So, no, not so good. Not good at all. This film, this <laughs> film is not going anywhere. <laughs> no. Um, the critical claim, the critical acclaim on Rotten Tomatoes says that it has its moments, most of them courtesy of Jeff Bridges' root and tootin' performance as an undead Wild West sheriff, but RIPD is ultimately too dim-witted and formulaic to satisfy don't entirely agree with that but i know I, I know where they're coming from like i can get why you wouldn't like this film and i, I get why you didn't like it chad yeah it, it was directed by robert schwentke i don't know uh writers uh, <laughs> Close enough. phil hay uh and uh matt manfredi 
Uh, David Dopkin uh, was involved in the story, and it is based on the Dark Horse comic by Peter M. Lenkoff. Stars Jeff Bridges as Roy Cephas Pulsifer, Ryan Reynolds as Nick Walker, Kevin Bacon as Officer Hayes, Mary Lou Parker, Mary Louise Parker, sorry, as Mildred Proctor, uh, Stephanie Zotz—it's a French name, I don't know—Zotstack as Julia, <laughs> James Hong as Nick's avatar, and Marissa Miller as Roy's avatar. Music was by Christoph Beck. Music was not anything special. No, it wasn't, but I normally like the composer. Okay. So would you uh, tell us a little bit about this uh, story uh, there in the show outline there? Okay. Uh, I'll just read it. Here it goes. Jeff Bridges and Ryan Reynolds headline the 3D supernatural action adventure, RIPD, as two cops dispatched by the otherworldly Rest in Peace Department to protect and serve the living from an increasingly destructive array of souls who refuse to move peacefully to the other side. Veteran Sheriff Roy Pulsifer has spent his career with a legendary police force known as RIPD, tracking monstrous spirits who are cleverly disguised as ordinary people. His mission? To arrest and bring to justice a special brand of criminals trying to escape final judgment by hiding among the unsuspecting of Earth. Once a wisecracking Roy is assigned former rising star detective Nick Walker as his junior officer, the new partners have to turn grudging respect into top-notch teamwork. When they uncover a plot that could end life as we know it, two of RIPD's finest must miraculously restore the cosmic balance or watch the tunnel to the afterlife, afterlife begin, begin sending angry souls the very wrong way. So a couple of things to note here is the studio did not let this film out for early reviews. So I think they kind of knew they had a dud on their hands and they wanted to get as many people in the theater as possible. So I mean, so the reason they wouldn't let it out to critics and, and have screenings and early reviews is so that uh, the critics would not get the reviews out early and 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 pan the film and and people would not would not then say oh the critics didn't like it therefore I'm not going to go see it hopefully bringing in a little bit more uh, so I think the studios knew they had a mess on their hands already um, it definitely has a very Men in Black influence and feel to it wouldn't you say I agree I I haven't seen Men in Black and oh I my think- goodness what is wrong with you what how many of these films that <laughs> You can tell I have no words. I have no words. You, I'm sorry, TJ. Homework. Before next week's episode, you have to have watched the first Men in Black or so help me. I'm going to come over there and do something drastic. Okay. <laughs> My brother has them on Blu-ray, so I'll, I'll check it out. Okay. Great films. Great films. If you don't like them, then I don't know what, what you're doing with your life. Okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, as I was saying, I, I haven't seen it, but I saw the influence anyway. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 they just feel very familiar. Yeah, it, it definitely has that influence. I mean, it's kind of, you know, it's, you know, this is a little bit more about the kind of the supernatural dead people judgment or whatever, but, but it's still kind of about these weird people hanging out on earth and there's a police force policing them. Uh, so it's, it's definitely got that influence. Um, and yet it doesn't feel like a complete ripoff to me. So, um, you know, definitely, definitely has a men in black influence. Um, there was a lot of predetermined hate for this movie. Like people were hating on it and they hadn't even seen it yet. I don't quite understand. Uh, I, I kind of think that a lot of, a lot of the, uh, I I don't know what's driving this, this, you know, because people were hating on it before they'd seen it. And it kind of felt like that kind of turned things towards hating on it. And therefore, you know, like I said, it's predetermined. I kind of, I I don't like that. You know, I'll I'll wait to do the movie till I've seen it. Right. I, and I generally try to do the same thing. I, and this wasn't a film that I was looking forward to necessarily, but I wasn't openly opposed to viewing it. And so I, I sort of walked in m- with mixed opinion. 
And uh, there was nothing that improved that for me. Yep. All right, and then I think this uh, the the poor reviews that this film is receiving uh, is is kind of suffering from a from the critics' extremism. Like it feels like critics either want to really hate a film or they really want to like it, and there's kind of no in between for critics. And that really bothers me because I feel like this film is very much an in betweener, you know. And and that that also makes it kind of hard to talk about. I find these films the hardest to talk about. What do you say about it? A, a film that's just kind of meh. It didn't inspire you, but it, you didn't hate it. What do you say about it? You know, that's kind of how I feel right. about this film. You of, of course will have uh, perhaps no end of things to say about this film since you really hated it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say I hated it. I just didn't find anything really of merit. Okay, so so you have nothing to say in the like section. You have no merits that you can give to this film. Um, I'm looking through my notes and really, no, there's not much I can say in its favor. Okay. I, I actually found it kind of fun. I, there was no, there was no time in, in the film at which I was really bored. I, I, I enjoyed the film. Uh, I definitely enjoyed Jeff Bridges a lot. Um, I, you know, I know he was a little bit hard to understand at times and a little bit over the top, but he was supposed to be. I mean, it was a comedy, um, in, in a men in black style, a comedy. And, uh, I enjoyed it a lot. I thought that he did a really good job with the role. Um, and, uh, that, that seems to be the consensus too. Like you, I think you were hating on Jeff Bridges a little bit in your review, but I think the consensus is that if there's a redeeming quality of this film, that it's probably Jeff Bridges. Uh, I don't know. So I, I enjoyed Jeff Bridges. I enjoyed uh, Mary Louise Parker. I, I've enjoyed her in pretty much everything I've seen that I've seen her in so far, and this is no exception. Um, I, I enjoyed her in this film. Uh, I, I think that she uh, plays the roles that she's given with relish, and uh, she did so here. Um, I, I, you know, definitely a good performance from her. Yeah, she definitely was uh, wasn't bad. Uh, she she wasn't bad at all, and so I, I did like her. In fact, I wasn't familiar with this actress at all until I watched Red yesterday in preparation for watching Red Two today. And so now I've seen three Mary Louise Parker films in the past uh, twenty four hours. Isn't she good? She she's great. I really enjoyed her. Yeah, she's really good. I uh, and and it's sad too. Like I posted something on Movie Byte recently that she was considering quitting acting because uh, her films are getting bad reviews and stuff or whatever. I don't know. It's it was kind of weird, but but you know I kind of feel for her too. Like critics tear stuff up unnecessarily sometimes. So I I've enjoyed her. Uh, don't quit on my account, Mary Louise. Um, <laughs> yeah, she's been very good. Uh, I found the movie just to be good fun. You know, it wasn't like it's not groundbreaking and it's probably not even something I'll have on my shelf. But I enjoyed seeing it. You know, it wasn't like. Yeah. I hated it yeah i mean i wasn't bored uh, but half the time i think my face was alternating between a what the heck expression and the and just like a general scowl yeah now you said you didn't laugh at all in this film right i i didn't i i, I don't I, know i, I don't you have you, like what happened to your sense of humor i thought it was fun <laughs> i don't know the jokes just didn't sit well with me i i i don't know I maybe cracked a smile once or twice and they were at Jeff Bridges expense. And so, I mean, that's good. I think while Jeff Bridges, I sort of derided him a little bit in my review. I do think that the appeal of watching this movie was to see Jeff Bridges. Yeah. I mean, and Ryan Reynolds did a passable job, but I don't think that the film could have been made without Jeff Bridges. No. You know, um, as far as dislikes, like I said, this isn't going to take long because what do you say about a, a meh film, you know, other than that it was fun yeah. and funny? Um, the, the It felt a bit uninspired. I'll agree with you. It, it, it was just like, eh, couldn't you have found something a little bit better to, to, to have a plot about? You know, I don't know. It, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Like, it, it just felt a little bit uninspired. Um, 
and I only have three things, then I'll let you really just rave about how bad this film was. Um, okay. As far as the plot goes, I wondered how in the world did the RIPD not see that coming with the Kevin Bacon character, right? I mean, come right. on, seriously? You didn't yeah. see that coming? I saw that coming three miles away. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's he gave no resistance. He didn't fight back at all. He, he even like sort of grinned smugly as he was being carried up into uh, the sort of facilities they have i mean it right. was just a, a dead giveaway hey this guy wants to be captured yep yep and then uh, last thing for me is that the avatar thing was just a bit much i mean i know it was for, it was played for the laughs and the whole thing where he's this old old uh you know shriveled up chinese guy and and he's he's this uh young hot blonde uh you know bombshell uh, and, and I know that's played for laughs and whatnot, but it just was a little much like, seriously, I yeah. not buying it, you know? Yeah. So, all right, fire away. Do your, do okay. your worst. <laughs> uh, so I, after getting out of the film last night after midnight, I, I tweeted and I posted to Facebook that I'm, I was considering making my review of this film just the word why repeated 800 times, a la uh, the, the Shining, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy, uh, sort of along those lines. And I, I don't know, I just, the whole movie, I was thinking... Why did the why did it open with that weird intro where he was talking about how three or four days ago he uh, didn't even know about the RIPD? Uh, wh- why did they need to do that? Why not just start telling the story? Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's a technique to kind of throw you into the film and then back up and say, "How do we get here?" I, mean, I, I don't, I don't completely disagree with you. It felt unnecessary, but yeah, yeah. And then, in on the subject of the avatars, my problem was yes, it, it was. It was completely played for laughs. I don't have a problem with them using avatars because that uh, logic makes sense. Obviously, they can't come back as themselves. But the whole the fact that Jeff Bridges came back as a uh, an attractive woman was completely there just to make a few laughs. And there was that whole speech where he tells that guy that he's not not a piece piece of of meat. meat. I'm a (laughs) woman. And Jeff Bridges is saying it right. It's hilarious. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it, it. Looking back, that is moderately funny uh I, I will give that laugh to jeff bridges uh, over the podcast as you should <laughs> but i i don't know i i just didn't like that aspect of the film and decision making was strange uh, um uh as you already mentioned taking kevin bacon's character uh the way they did and not anticipating any sort of foul play on his part yeah yeah uh, yeah, I, it was a weird. I, I was just asking why a lot. Like, why did they do this? <laughs> why did do they they do that? And then, my, I didn't dislike Jeff Bridges so much as I thought he was in one hundred percent Rooster Cogburn mode um, uh, uh, from True Grit. That's the that's the role he got nominated for Best Actor for, and he did a great job in that film, and I love that film. But I mean, even from the character description in this film, it's Rooster Cogburn. It's an, an, a lawman, an officer who has a propensity for killing people instead of apprehending them, who doesn't like to work with other people and talks with a goofy Western accent. And I didn't have a problem with it in true grit, but here it was just a little bit too much, maybe because they were trying to play up. Hey, look, Rooster Cogburn is back to kill dead people now. And that's just sort of the feel I got from it. Yeah. 
I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I think maybe for me, since I haven't seen the film True Grit, uh, and I don't know who Rooster Cogburn is, that maybe it didn't distract me as much. I can see how, if it is exactly the same character, that might be irritating. Yeah. And just a quick side note, you should see both True Grits. You should see the John Wayne one and the new one with Jeff Bridges. I don't watch John Wayne films as a rule. Are you saying I should make an exception? You probably should. He, it's, he actually won the Best Actor Award for his role in oh, True Grits. I know Grit. everybody loves him, but I just, ugh, ugh, whatever. <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, I, I probably just angered a whole bunch of people. In fact, everybody, you know, like, like 50% of the audience probably just went straight to their podcast client and clicked unsubscribe just right here and now. But, <laughs> but that's just how, you know, I just, I just don't get it. Like, I don't get John Wayne, so. It's okay. I think I've seen two John Wayne films, and I only liked one of them, so. Okay, all right. Okay, well, what else you got? Um, got a few more I guess that's pretty much it. Okay. Um, uh, it tried too hard to be funny, I thought. Uh, some mm-hmm. of the jokes were uh, misplaced. I don't know about and that. And I, I didn't care for a lot of the humor in the film. Okay. I, I See, I, I did. It's, okay. For me, the, I thought it was humorous in a good way, whereas uh, I would compare, like, um, have you seen the film Johnny English? I have. That film, the first time I watched it, I found it funny, if a little bit uncomfortable. And then after that, I just I couldn't take it. I, like, I don't even watch it anymore. It was, it's just terrible. It's just too much. This film didn't feel like that to me. Maybe on a second watching it would. But this felt more like my kind of humor. So, yeah, I don't know. All right. So uh, tell us how poorly you rated this film, Chad. I gave it one and a half out of five stars. And not so much because I, I hated it necessarily. It was, like I said earlier, it's just... I found a huge lack of things that I actually liked. Um, and so it could have been worse. I could have hated it. But right now it's just I didn't like it at all. Does that make sense? You know, I think so. I think so. And uh, I, I give the film three out of five stars because, you know, I have slightly somewhat positive feelings about it. So, right. you know, but at the same time, my bottom line is kind of like, you know what? Meh, you know don't sure go see it in the theater with friends if, if you if you want a good laugh or whatever but you don't have to you can wait for it on dvd or whatever or, or don't see it at all it's not the end of the world that's kind of how i feel like you know so there's not a lot to say about it it's just kind of meh yeah all right uh and and everybody uh the folks on imdb kind of feel the same way the uh conglomerated uh rating is 5.5 out of 10 stars uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a, a 10% approval rating from the critics, whereas 48% of the audience has, uh, you know, so either way you go, that's not not good. No. As as Mary Louise Parker said in Red 2, not good. That's not good. Uh, so <clears throat> that's that's I think that's all we have to say really about RIPD, unless you have anything to add. No, I'm good. All right. Let's talk about Red 2. But in order to talk about Red 2, we kind of need to talk about Red. And I haven't seen Red. It's been probably over a year since I've seen it. So you can tell us a little bit more about Red, the first film, since you just saw it yesterday. Yes, I saw it for the first time yesterday. Did you like it? I did. I already wrote my review up. I gave it four stars. Um, I thought it was lots of fun. I think taking the actors that they did and putting them into roles that they don't normally play added a lot that, that's where most of the humor came from i thought and the interaction between the characters and the craziness of john malkovich and oh yeah uh, the great. typical action fun of Je- uh not bruce willis of uh, bruce willis uh it, it was just a really enjoyable movie all around 
Yeah, definitely. Um, you, you know, I I, I kind of wrote a little thing here that, that uh, to remind myself that, that I thought the first film was crazy, crazy fun, and it's even well reviewed by the critics, which is surprising, I think, for the type of film it is. Uh-huh. Um, and neither film can really neither this one or uh, or the the first red can be called an original film or original idea, but. Um, you know, they had so much fun making it that you can really tell it like it just shines through really, really well uh, that they had a lot of fun making it. And that makes usually that makes for a good film. Um, and there's something very nostalgic, I think, about it, you know, kind of the old timey action film feel with Bruce Willis, you know, in it and, and stuff like that. Um, that's particularly more true of the first film, I think. Um, but yet it's, it's a very modern movie. It, it has modern sensibilities. So uh, I think it was a perfect blending of those elements. Apparently it is, it is it is based on a comic book series, which is kind of weird. Like I don't know, but apparently it is. So, um, so let's talk about Red Two, uh, coming off the heels of the first Red film, which everybody loved. Um, it opened in theaters, uh, same as R.I.P.D. on July nineteenth. It, it had a budget of eighty four million. Sadly, it opened to eighteen million, and it is only grossed twenty seven point five million worldwide right now. That's that's very sad to me because this is such a great film. Uh, the critical acclaim is that while it's still hard to argue with its impeccable cast or the fun they often seem to ha- be having, Red 2 replaces much of the goofy fun of its predecessor with empty, over-the-top bombast. I don't agree with that at all, but that's that's uh, that's what it says. Director was Dean uh, Pariseau. Uh, writers were John Hober and Eric Hober. It stars Bruce Willis as Frank Moses, John Malkovich as Marvin Boggs, Mary Louise Parker as Sarah Ross, Helen Mirren as Victoria... Anthony Hopkins as scientist Bailey. Uh, I'm going to botch this name up. Byung Hun Lee uh, as Han Chobai. Catherine Zeta Jones as uh, Ketcha. And uh, Neil McDonough as Jack Horton. Uh, Dono. I don't know. D O N O U G H. I'm so bad with pronunciations. I should not have a podcast. Brian <laughs> Cox as Ivan. The music was by Alan Silvestri. Yay. And uh, in Red 2, the high-octane action comedy sequel to the worldwide sleeper hit, retired blacks, uh, black ops CIA agent Frank Moses reunites his unlikely team of elite operatives for a global quest to track down a missing portable nuclear device. Uh, that is not exactly correct. It was not a nuclear device. Uh, to succeed, they'll need to survive an army of relentless assassins, ruthless terrorists, and power-crazed government officials, all eager to get their hands on the next-generation weapon. The mission takes Frank and his motley crew to Paris, London, and Moscow. Outgunned and outmanned, they have only their cunning wits, their old-school skills, and each other to rely on as they try to save the world and stay alive in the process. So just a couple other general notes. Um... Bruce Willis films sure aren't doing well this year, are they? What's up with that? What other films has he been in this year? Um, I'm trying to think. Well, I, I, like for sure, he was in um, uh, Die Hard, uh, which which did. Oh, that's right. It did very poorly. Um, let's see what else he's been in. Let me just look him up real quick. Bruce Willis, and we'll go to IMDb, and we'll see what he's been in. Uh, Die Hardest has been announced. Interesting. Uh, oh. so, uh, oh, general, uh, GI Joe retaliation. Actually that film did. Okay. Um, looper. I'm trying to remember if that did. Okay. Or not. that was 2012 though. I guess it really was just a good day to die hard is what I was thinking of when I wrote that, that, uh, it, it didn't do well. Um, so, um, and, uh, I will say that this is why sequels are worth making because they yeah. can sometimes turn out like this. And it was, it was crazy fun. So I've been doing a lot of talking. Tell us what you like about this film, Chad. 
Um, for the most part, I thought that it lived up to the the first film. Um, I, I thought it was lots of fun still. I liked the characters that we saw in the first film coming back. I liked a couple of the new characters. Um, overall, I mean, it was, it was just lots of fun. I thought that the twist with uh, Anthony Hopkins' character was very nice. Absolutely. And uh, I, I liked him in general. Uh, I was a little iffy with Anthony Hopkins at first. But, oh, uh, no. Before, I loved before him the, the film beginning. went in. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I loved Anthony Hopkins' performance top to bottom. He was great. I, I really like the. I, I think this film really managed to capture the fun and adventure of the first film, but it was totally and completely different. So I, right. I, I, I like that. Like, it didn't feel like a rehash. It didn't feel like it was an unnecessary sequel. It felt great, and I really loved it. Um, you can answer me this. On the score for the first film, it was by some composer I'm not familiar with. But you've just it was watched Christoph Beck. Oh, it was Christoph Beck. Okay. Yeah. So you you are familiar uh, with that score more than I am because I don't even remember it right now. It seems somewhat forgettable to me. Uh, but you've uh, watched it more recently. Well, honestly, I didn't I, I didn't catch much of the score the first time around. I was watching the film and I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't pay much attention to the music other than at the start of the film when it said music by Christoph Beck, and I was like, oh, that's cool. Okay. And then I didn't. It it just sort of slipped to the back of my mind. Okay, so so probably it is somewhat forgettable then. Yeah. Okay, so this film, though, was scored by Alan Silvestri, and let me tell you, he hit this film out of the park. I loved it. You know, yes. and, and, and not in a bad like, – like sometimes you notice a score, and that's not a good thing, like it's standing out. I noticed the score because it was working so well, but also just because I loved it. Um, and like I said, the first film was somewhat forgettable. There, there was once or twice where, you know, Alan Silvestri did the, the awesome score for the Avengers. And there was once or twice in this film where I felt like he hit a few notes that were too reminiscent of the Avengers, but it was fleeting and passed quickly and did not distract me too much. So overall, great music from Alan Silvestri for this film. Yeah, I noticed it while I was watching as well. It, and I thought it was something very different from what Alan Silvestri normally pulls out. I for mean, most part, um, yeah. Uh, lots of his scores are really big and orchestral and grandiose. Like, uh, I mean, obviously the first thing that comes to mind for me is Back to the Future, right. which at the time was new for him, uh, that, that style of composing. But he's used it a lot over the years for films like Captain America and for the Avengers and for uh, other films sort of sparse, uh, spaced in between. Um, and so this felt it was, it was just different for him. And I, I'm pretty familiar with his scores and I, I really liked what he did here. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree very much. Um, again, I, I really loved uh, Mary Louise Parker here. Uh, she, she, you know, from, you know, she kind of did that wide-eyed, naive, rose-colored glasses kind of a thing, and, and she went, you know, she did the jealousy thing really well, uh, and just awesome performance, amazing performance, even better than she did in her IPD. You know, I think because I like the film so much more, maybe, but, but, um, yeah, I, I really was pleased with her performance again here. I, I didn't I, – I did – okay. So while I did like um, Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, and the chemistry, I guess, that she kind of had with, with Bruce Willis and the rest of the cast, I didn't quite – this is kind of a like and a dislike. I didn't quite buy her performance as a Russian. You know? No. It didn't it, – it's like, seriously? She's no Russian. <laughs> no, she doesn't look like a Russian. She didn't sound like a Russian. No, it not at just all. felt a little strange. Yeah, it was very strange. But but it you know, it, it worked. It didn't just, I mean, it wasn't like I hated the film for it. So it, I kind of dislike it in that it wasn't very authentic. But you know what? Overall, I mean, she was a good choice. She had the chemistry, so um, I'm I'm mostly placing that in the like uh corner. 
Uh, and again, I, uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, delightful, brilliant, uh, you know, jolly good, jolly good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, what, what, what else have you got? Um, I really like the different worldview that these characters have. Mm-hmm. They, they, they see the world differently than people like you and me do. Like at the very start of the film, when John Malkovich is sort of edging onto, uh, Bruce Willis in the Costco and he says, you haven't killed anybody in months. And <laughs> he acts like that's such a bad thing. And then later in the film, uh, Bruce Willis character gives uh, Sarah or Mary Louise Parker's character, the gun. And it's taken as this huge romantic gesture and this huge step in their relationship. Yeah. 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 And, uh, it, I don't know. It, I just thought it was really funny. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, yeah. I, I love most everything about this film. It just really did. It was really good. Um, I, I oh I I, I again Helen Mirren as in the first film uh, she really kind of stole the show but in a good way and you know really really enjoyed her uh, I've just been offered a contract to kill you <laughs> <laughs> there there were two moments for Helen Mirren that really stood out for me there was the one it, it was in the trailers where she has an arm outside of each uh, window of the car and she's shooting on mm-hmm. both sides yep. I think that's awesome and then there's this other part where she she's sneaking into the insane, insane asylum and she's talking about how she's the queen of England, which I thought was hysterical <laughs> was, because she's played the queen of England m- like multiple times, I believe. Yeah, I've not seen any of it, but I was aware of that that she had. Yeah. And so I was like, it was very much like tongue in cheek. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you know she's talking to Marvin Boggs in the hallway while they're in the midst of this thing that they're doing, you know, very high security risk, and uh, she's saying, "I think I really captured the essence," you know. And then the, you know she's talking about her being in character as the queen of england right <laughs> it was it was yeah, awesome i think helen mirren is the the best instance in this film of taking an actress who isn't known for this kind of film and plugging her in and seeing what she does with it and she does a great job with it she oh, yeah. it's just so unexpected coming from her that it, it's lots of fun coming from her yeah well you've heard of me now <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so uh yeah what else what else we got here um while watching the first film, uh, knowing that it's based on a comic book, I, I sort of watched for some of the more stylized things that comic book movies try and tend to do. And there wasn't a lot of it, but they they did use this sort of scene transition in the first film yeah. where they zoomed in on a postcard and then you, uh, you're you there. That, that, that's what they did. And I thought, you know, that's okay. Yeah, no, um, it worked well. I thought, I thought they did even better scene transitions in this film where they sort of sketch over the the fr- the frame mm-hmm. uh, so they look like comic books and then you s- it swipes over and you're in a new location and i thought that worked really really well and the stylization there was great yeah i agree it was it was very well stylized and very sassy cuts too with those transitions as well um uh, yeah I, I very much enjoyed it um yeah agree completely you have more likes uh, i only have a couple of dislikes not very many at all so before we get to those if you have any more likes now's the time to spit them out um, I think that's pretty much it. Okay. So let's talk, if there's anything we didn't like, let's talk a little bit about it. Um, I, I thought they crossed the line and the silliness a couple of times. Like, yeah, that would have been better if it was played straight rather than for the humor. Just a couple of times, not too much. And it's, it's, it's almost like it's even worth mentioning, but you know, it is there. Um, yeah. until, until close to the end, I felt like Han Shobai was pretty unnecessary to the movie. Like I felt like the movie would have been tighter and better without him in the plot. Um, yeah, but, but it does kind of pay off toward the end, but, but I don't know if it was enough to warrant, like, like, I feel like they should have given him more to do somehow. I don't know. I don't know what the answer yeah. is. I'm not a writer, but they should have. 
Yeah, I mean, the whole film, they kept talking about how he was the best contract killer in the world. And then time after time, we see him get foiled by this 60-year-old man. And uh, I, while that's a testament to Bruce Willis' character's skills, I still think it, it we, we should have been shown more to give this character the title he has as the best contract killer in the world. Well, I mean, we did see him kill that guy with a piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, we there was that. And then... Uh, but my main complaint with the character was the spoiler alert, I should say um, the twist where, where he, he decides to not kill Bruce Willis character and joins that their, their side. It just sent, it felt very sudden to me and very out of place. Yeah. I mean, I, I actually saw that coming and I didn't mind it. I thought it was fun and funny. Uh, they could have done more to set it up properly. And like I said, if they'd given his character more in the way of story, maybe it would have made more sense. So right. I, and, I, I both agree and disagree with you. Yeah. I mean, I liked watching him fight people before the turn. And then after he turned, I really liked, uh, there was one scene where he and John Malkovich were giving relationship advice to Bruce Willis character. And I thought that was hysterical because <laughs> yes. it's this villain who's been trying to kill him the whole film. And he's like, well, you know what? John Malkovich is right. You should listen to him. Here's some more relationship advice from me. Yeah, John, <laughs> John Malkovich is like, uh, if there's one thing I know it's covert ops and women. And, you know, Bruce Willis <laughs> looks at him for a second. He's like, that's two things, genius. And then, then you know, Han Chobai just slowly looks over at him, his eyes wide, and he goes, no grasshopper. They are not. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. I really did love that. Yes, for yeah, sure. Yeah, it was a great moment. And um, let's see. I, I I didn't like Zeta Jones very much in this film, I must admit. Um, hmm. I didn't. I didn't like the rivalry between her and Mary Louise Parker's characters. I didn't think it was necessary. Um, I liked the relationship build between uh, Sarah and, uh, goodness, Frank. I I liked their relationship build, but I think they could have done that uh, as more of a trust issue. Like, the way they did play it with, uh, uh, I don't know if we should give her a gun, uh, stuff like that. But the, the, the rivalry between the two women just felt forced to me I, I didn't like the the car chase scene with involving the two of them although it did offer a couple of laughs i just i, I didn't like zeta jones and i think we could have done without her character okay I'm, I'm gonna disagree with that completely i very much enjoyed Catherine zeta jones in this so um yeah we disagree yeah it happens is our friendship gonna survive Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, no, I, I, uh, I, in fact, I, I actually thought that, uh, I, I don't think you could have this film as it exists. I mean, what, I mean, the film would be completely different if, if Zeta Jones weren't there and if she weren't, uh, the rival for, you know, and kind of showing the past, you, you know, that, that they're, that obviously Frank Moses is what, how old is he supposed to be? Like 60? And there, yeah. you know, he's only had, uh, Sarah for a couple of years or whatever it's been. So we know there have been things that happened before. And I like the whole thing with, uh, you know, she's kind of Frank Moses' kryptonite or whatever, but then, you know, his character grows on past that. I mean, it provides opportunity for character growth. So I, I was happy with the plot points and plot device around uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I just didn't like the character, I okay. guess. Okay. Well, other than the fact that she should have been some other nationality besides Russian, you know, maybe Welsh, uh, you know, <laughs> since she's Welsh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I, I mean, I, I think it was fine, so – I did miss very much Morgan Freeman. He he was oh, me too. you know, he was really good in the first film, but they killed him. I mean, couldn't but I mean, come on, this is this is an over the top comedy anyway. Couldn't they have just somehow brought him back from the dead? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the I'm the, kidding, the but... fact of the matter is in the first film he pretended to die 
or it looked like he died and he brought him back. In this film, John Malkovich character looks like he died and they brought him back. And I, I, I was holding out hope that Morgan Freeman would like come back in some capacity in this film after watching it yesterday. And alas, I was disappointed. Yeah, I did. I definitely missed him. So, uh, but you know, he's getting on up in years and he's been in several films this year. So maybe, uh, yeah. he just couldn't be in more films or, you know, or maybe they just really felt like there was no credible way to say, you know what? He didn't really die. So yeah, maybe not. So anyway, uh, anything else? Nope. That covers everything. All right. I give the film four out of five stars. You are not as generous as I am. No. I mean, it's a th- I gave it a three, maybe leaning a little bit more towards three and a half. Uh, that okay. may change by the time I write my review uh, in the next day uh, or so. But uh, I, I, th- I enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. I thought it mostly lived up to uh, the first film. But uh, I, I did have my disappointments and the things I didn't like. And so that that just had to bring it down a little bit from where I put the first film. OK, so what, out of curiosity, what would you have rated the first film? Four stars. OK, that's the same as that. I mean, I, I, I like them equally as well. I would rate the first film four or five as well. Uh, IMDb, it's getting 7.3 out of 10 from the users and uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Only 40 percent of the critics like it. So not nearly as bad as our IPD. Uh, no. but 74% of the audience likes it. That's, that's right along in line with, uh, with what they did with red, I believe. So, um, I, as far as I'm concerned, this is must see you, you must get yourself to the theater and see this film. No doubt in my mind. Yeah. If you like the first film for sure, you need to go check it out. Yep. And, and, you know, don't, don't expect it to be a rehash of the first film. It's very different, even though I feel like it captured, as I already said, the, the same feel feel. So, uh, that made me very happy, very happy. Love this film a lot. All right. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. So, um, Chad, folks are now going to want to follow you now that they have heard your uh, somewhat awesome movie reviews, even though we don't completely <laughs> agree. Uh, <laughs> where, where can they do that at if they wanted to keep up with you and, and follow your work and, and uh, you know follow you on Twitter and that sort of thing? Okay. Uh, I do most of my writing at chadlikesmovies.com. Um, I tweet at chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. And my, yes, I think that's, I think that was right. Uh, And then on Facebook, you can find me at facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. All right. Uh, You can, of course, keep up with uh, my work and writing. I post stuff every single weekday on moviebyte.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm TJ Draper Pro. Uh, So you'll want to catch me in those two places if you want to keep up with the stuff that I'm doing and the things that I'm writing and and, uh, things that I'm tweeting and all that sort of good stuff. Uh, you know, put up with the good, good with the bad. Sometimes I get a little angry and post stuff on Twitter, and sometimes I'm happy and I post stuff on Twitter. So keep up with me <laughs> over there. Um, if you want to, you can follow Movie Byte on Twitter. Uh, you you just go to twitter.com/moviebyte, and you can follow Movie Byte and keep up with stuff. Uh, you can of course like Movie Byte on Facebook at facebook.com/moviebyte. Show notes for this episode are at moviebyte.com/mbpodcast/slash fifty three. If you captured this, uh. This episode from iTunes, and you'd like to view all the links that we've talked about, that's where you'll find them. And next week, we're going to be talking about The Wolverine. And I'm uh, cautiously optimistic about this film. So, uh, going to be checking it out this weekend, and we'll let you know what we think. That's it for us. We're out of here. Have a great week. See ya. See ya.